This episode is sponsored by ContentFind, a premium video editing and content repurposing service for busy content creators, influencers, brands, podcasters, YouTubers, and marketers. ContentFi provides unlimited end-to-end editing and repurposing services to help you get your video and audio content edited and repurposed quickly, easily, and reliably. Join other busy content creators, founders, brands, and marketers who now spend even more time creating while they take care of the rest. You no longer need to worry about spending hours editing anymore. Just create content, build your audience, and grow your business. If you're a content creator looking to save time and money, or looking to outsource your content marketing team, get your first free video edited now at contentfi.co. If you'd like to sponsor the SaaS District podcast, or recommend any guests that you think would be valuable to be on the show, visit horizoncapital.com slash SaaS dash podcast today. Thanks again, folks. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about using the power of personalization at scale. Today, we have our guest, Matt Barnett, joining us. Matt is the founder and CEO of Bonjoro, a personalized video messaging and customer delight platform to welcome and onboard customers and clients. Bonjoro also helps customer success teams convert and retain more customers through personalized video. Matt is a former designer and expert product builder with a passion for building a great business culture. As Bonjoro continues to grow, they're aiming to be one of the most beloved companies where value and culture continues to be the main drivers to the business success. So welcome, Matt. Super excited to have you on the show today. Hey, Kiel. Thanks for having me along. Great to be here. Awesome. So obviously, we'd like to start off. Can you share about your, your personal background and past ventures, including Verbate and, and maybe some of the failures that, that came along with those? Yeah, for sure. So... My name's Matt, the pack there at Bonjuro. Uh, originally from the UK and then moved to Australia maybe to, uh, actually 10 years ago. It's probably 12 years ago now. Um, came here and fell into the tech world. I'm an industrial designer by trade. Um, so very much a product guy. Found tech um, as you do. Uh, the first venture we did was actually was actually in the video space, like ten, like maybe eight years ago, playing around in the B two C space, doing a platform for capturing um, family life stories. So, like the story of your of your grandma, obviously telling her story so you can save it as video for, for future generations. Um, that we raised a bunch of money, we went ahead, we grew a team, and then the whole thing crashed and burned. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, so I've been through all those. You know, fa- found the breakups didn't work. I think just being Look, ultimately, furniture into tech, not really understanding that because kind of put a background. I think ultimately we had a we had a great idea. There's a lot of passion behind it, um, both my side of the customers and uh, and investors. Uh, we struggled to get activation, so I think it's one of those things where it was a great idea, but it wasn't urgent. So obviously, capturing a video of your grandma isn't something that you go and get done every day. And then you know when grandma gets ill, you don't want to do it. And so we had this core. I mean, this core floor, yeah, where where obviously if you can't activate customers, like like it's never going to work. Um, looking back now, could we do the same business and make it work? Yeah, we could, but that's obviously comes with the hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of hovered around, played around with video. We thought it was quite interesting. You know, mobile video at that time was super early, so I think that that was one of the struggles was, you know, the infrastructure wasn't there to really support it well, especially you know, especially outside of you know countries like like Australia, which, which do have quite good tech adoption. Um, it was people just still trying to understand it. People were nervous getting on video, but we, we ended up falling into playing video again and essentially into research. So we started we started a company called Verbate where we would do qualitative research by video. So very different industry. And we would basically have large FMCG brands, large agencies looking to do new product development or to um, test out packaging, et cetera. And they would do this with customers in 10 different countries, so like Japan, Korea, the other states, Canada, Germany. And we would basically send out people like products and we would get them to test them over a week and do a video diary. They'd also invite us into their lives. They'd be using their mobile phones to kind of go and like film, you know, their kids like trying on stuff, you know, going underneath desks and stuff and uh, looking at how they stored products and use products. And then we'd, we'd upload all that pull out all the data and then use it as a, as a data source for research. Mm-hmm. That company still runs today. Um, we ended up moving it to the UK. We were in Australia. All of our clients ended up being in London, New York, and Paris uh, because of the industry we were in. 
Um, so that's still going. It, it's a pretty awesome business. It's, it's very different uh, to what to what I do day to day. Um, at the back of that, uh, I guess tech company slash agency because we did end up layering services on top of it. Um, me and my CTO kind of had a like. Look, we always had a passion for SaaS and for products and for self serve, and I think we were always looking for something in the space, and, uh, and that business ended up going in a different direction because of the client base, uh, which is fine. But we started something, you know, on that journey four years ago where we started sending videos to leads that came in because all of our science would come in when we were asleep here in Australia. Australia's a great place to live. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of a pain when you want to do global business because uh, time zones. Um, so, you know, we did the old drip campaigns with those. We couldn't get, get on the phone and call them. Um, and being large, larger clients, relationships were kind of key to, to how we developed those. So I used to take a boat to the city every day. For those of you who know Sydney, go from Manly to, to the harbor. Um, and it would go past the opera house and we would build a little hack such that it would like drop into Slack. All the leads we had, we did some data mining as well on them. So we'd like drag in like who they were, what their job title is, what projects they, they potentially worked on. So I have all the data like in front of me. I do a 30 second video and I record it. And say, you know, hey, John, sorry, I'm from, from, from um, Ogilvy in London. See so you work on the Budweiser accounts. You know, we also work on Heineken and we've done stuff, you know, for, for, for Diageo. Um, obviously, I'm not in London. I'm in, I'm in Sydney. There, there's the Opera House behind me. Let's have a chat. I'm in, I'm in the city in, in six weeks' time. Love to come and show you what we do. Super cool. And then we package that video up and we get it into an email and send it off. And we did this every day and we tripled our response rates like instantly. And Jeremy, the response that would come back was, yeah, this is hilarious. You, you guys have to come in and see us. Um, so it wasn't, so again, look, looking back in hindsight, this sounds weird. It, it wasn't the video, it wasn't necessarily the video itself, although I think mm. that lent to creative edge. We always talked like, like, like the yeah, creative, creative teams. Um, it was the fact that we just turned up. So it sounds weird, but the fact that we took the effort to go and do something a bit different, the fact that we got our personality across, and again, being in you know, agency sales, this personality is a big part of what sells. Like they want to see that you, they want to trust you, they want to know that you're there's something different. It was working really well. Um, now we didn't think too much of it until you know months in. Somebody, one of his clients, asked if they could use this video email system, and we spent a weekend with a few beers and pizza and built something that they could use. Uh, they started using it. They started sending out some of their customers started coming on board. We kind of just sat on it for like six to twelve months. Um, and then it really started to kind of just get, like grow out of control. And me and my CTO at the time made a decision to step into it full time. Okay. Uh, which, which was, uh, uh, I mean, it's fun. It's fun communicating that back to investors and to um, team and everything else. So ultimately, it was it was absolutely the right decision that we did. Um, and we saw the signs for it. So now we ended up with two companies, uh, one based out of the UK, one based, one headquarters in Australia, teams in six continents. Um, and Bonjour is where I sit across day to day. And it's obviously we've extended that into personalization at scale. And we've started to do more with the tech, but essentially like at its heart, that's what it is. It's it's just a better way to connect with with leads and customers to drive conversions, activation and, and growth. Love it. Love, love the, the backstory around how you guys conceived the, the business. For But for, for our audience and, and people listening in, um, can you just share where you guys are in terms of size today, users, uh, you know, percent recent growth, and have you guys raised any external capital or are you guys completely bootstrapped and how much have you raised? It's about 80,000 users. We raised, um, I'll talk in Australian. To, okay. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get back here. So we raised a million um, when we decided to go in full time to get this thing built. We've then just raised again, the same again, um, kind of extension. We'll be looking to a Series A potentially towards the end of the year. Um, I don't okay. think we'll do that in Australia. I th well, I think we'll definitely do a component of that overseas. We are 90, 92% of our customer base is outside of Australia. So although we're based here, we're, we're definitely a global company. So yeah, we've, we've raised here because it's quick, it's easy. Like our board is based here. Um, we've got some pretty good people on board. We've got one of, you know, Alassian's, um, X had a, had a had a product for Confluence, which is, which is pretty good. Um, but I think we'll start to extend the operations side overseas more and more over the next 12 months. Cool. And what was that kind of uh, percent growth you've typically seen before you went out and kind of raised that, that extra round? And what, what is it kind of looking forward where you, you know, you're thinking to, to raise that Series A? I mean, look, started with a small base. Our percentage growth in the beginning was, I don't know, 100% a month. It was, it was, it was pretty fast. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, now we can hover like 10, 10 to 15 percent. It's kind of where we sit. Nice. Um, I'd still like to, like, yeah. you always want to go faster. Yeah? Like, I still want to accelerate more. So, um, like, I personally think we have a lot of work to do. Like, like we try to break out, you know, into other products and into other places on the Trustman journey that do personalization at scale this year. Um, so, quite a few big leaps to do in terms of products and positioning. Mm-hmm. Um, which I do not think is easy. We're going through a lot of team growth right now as well. So we're doubling up the team in the next six months. Um, so right now it's a bit of a, what's the best way of saying this? Just a bit of a, a bit of a fight, I can sure, say. Sure, sure. Yeah, typical uh, time, time of that, that business where you're just trying to grow and push everything as quickly as possible. Yeah. yeah. So c- kind of shifting gears to the product, what would you say are the, the main differentiators or advantages when you know, leveraging video for that onboarding and customer relationships versus those other formats, which we typically see, right? The, the email onboarding, uh, the calls, the, what are you guys seeing differently there? And what are the advantages? Yeah, so I'll travel a little bit beyond video because I think, again, like, so video is a medium. If you're not using video, use video, like everyone knows this, like we're getting more comfortable with videos today. Different types of video. So, you know, video that is, is meant for the masses, scripted video, like recorded video. Like, video is like, ultimately a very visual, uh, piece of comms. Humans are not meant to. Are not, are not meant. To, we're not evolved to. to right. Like that's not what we do. Yeah. We're evolved to use facial expression, and tone of voice, and and gestures and everything else. That obviously, gets you to trust someone and kind of understand who they are and want to, want to work with them. Um, so video gets across however you go. Where we specifically play is around personalization. So what? So so back back to that first that first case. The product essentially does that. Like we live now on top of things like HubSpot, Salesforce, Intercom, like you name it. We'll drag in data and we'll say, look this is a great time to drop in a piece of personalization for a customer because they've done X, Y, Z. So it's very much trigger-based. So, so this could be as simple as new leads coming into funnel. It could be new leads of a certain um, like sales qualified lead score who are worth X value, only those ones you want to do it for. But what we're saying is for, for these certain types of customers at certain points in the journey, like take, take 30 seconds for them individually. This is kind of like, I guess, the ethos behind the company. Yeah, we say we always say like automate process, never relationships. Take that thirty seconds and actually step in and say, "Hey, Jane, saw you came on board from Orlando. See that you're you're, you're, the, you're the marketing manager for for Entreports. Yeah, awesome to have you with us. We already work with these other these other people in the space. This is what we do. By the way, I can see that you've signed up and done you know onboarding steps one to five, but you haven't done six. This is really crucial. I'm going to include the link to help you get there. But if you want help." Hit reply. I will personally help you get to that point. By the way, welcome board. It's a beautiful day. So, what what, what you're doing in that is, is a couple of things. Where you do something like this, you're you're showing the customer they care. Number one, and if you look at SaaS, especially it's SaaS e-commerce, really interesting here because it's starting to do more of this. And they're traditionally not relationship-based industries. Like mm-hmm. everything's been about scale. And so, what you look about here, like that time that I talk for is, is literally how long it takes. And then you press go, and then you're back to work. It's all about like a very, so you do have to do presentation very, very scalably. Like you don't have to do any sending, no packaging, nothing. The data's there for you to personalize it. It's good to go. It's very quick. It's on mobile, some desktop, whatever you want. Um, so the idea of being able to do true personalization at scale becomes a lot easier. When you do that, like I would hold the fact that you'll still see, you know, three times response rates or anything else to do. That's kind of like, that's the baseline that, that, that we see in here for customers like even, even today. Um, I think, just taking that time for the customer and, and turning up when you're in a competitive space, which you will be, mm-hmm. will help you stand out. And this is a whole, you know, ultimately, like, do you value NPS and customer happiness? Like, do you put support as a growth lever? Because because my is like like supports an on like like an awesome growth channel. Yeah, most people it's, most people think of it as, as a last minute thing. It should be a first minute thing. Um, if that's a channel for you, if that's something that you that you abide by and you understand. This is just the to take it to the next level, you know. And then obviously, you know, you, you're you're being very proactive. And so, like other other stages on, on the customer funnel, if a customer has a relationship with you, what that means then is number one, are they more likely to buy? Yeah, because because of trust. Yes, they yeah. they understand the company, they understand you. When they see you turn up and make the efforts, do they think you're a customer who's going to a company that's going to deliver? Yes, they do. If they have a challenge, are they going to go straight to social and rant, or are they going to come and ask you for help? They're going to come and ask you for help because they like you more. Are they going to stay, you know, longer? Like we see, you know, mm. churn dropping by 20 percent because people just want to stay longer and give you that extra shots. So, so it ends up impacting the final and then and most of all. Is this person more likely to become like a, a like an active advocate? Are they more likely to go and talk about your company? Yes, that's and that's 
Yeah, and that's actually like the you know like the icing on the cake is like if you can get every customer to start to refer more customers down the line and we'll maybe dive back to this like that's that's the, that's like the gold that's just like it's like a secondary impact right but then it becomes a growth lever uh, for your company too so that exact scenario we talked about where you know you're onboarding the user you're giving them a better onboarding experience and they're using your platform do you guys track and do you have any numbers other than, you know, three times the, the response rate? Are you seeing anything in terms of conversion itself lift and, and actual lever and growth? Yeah, so that three times, yeah, three times response rate tends to feed down into conversions. It depends a little bit on the business, like obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, if, look, look where, where, where it equates, I mean, you never get quite perfect, but kind of theory, three times response rate, double conversions. It's quite a safe space to stand. We work with a lot of companies, you can't get that. Uh, if, if helping a customer through your funnel makes a difference, it's definitely going to help. Mm. Um, if obviously standing out, it'll definitely help. Uh, look, other, other spaces we use in SaaS, you know, we use for for making sure people turn up to demo calls. We tend to increase demo calls turn up by about 30%. So the day before a demo call is going to turn up, send a video and just say, hey, I'm I'm Jenny. I'm going to be doing your call tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Thanks yes. for increasing taps. Uh, pretty simple. Churn. Look, again, like, it's, it's really been on business, but like, you know, we've seen stats where churn drops by 25%. So, so pretty significant. Um, and, and that's because churn comes from, from early activation. So this is more activation than the conversion. So okay. a lot of your churn is going to come from your first three months users where they haven't got activated. So if you're using this with paid users to make sure they're activated, then you've got a significant chance to reduce your churn because that's the point in the funnel where they're, where, where they're losing. And so that's where you get those stats from. Um, uh, I mean, like, like advocacy is harder to measure. It's yeah. a lot harder to measure, but we see people, I mean, I see people with, with communities in SaaS gain like ni- 95% acceptance rates, rates in, in, into communities when they're invited in, which mm-hmm. is kind of nuts. It's, it's kind yeah. of insane. That is. Um, there's a filtering there. We see e-commerce companies, a lot of e-commerce moving, moving into subscription models now. Let's chat to someone day who does coffee subscriptions, so very commoditized, like, you know, not like a competitive industry, and they move their SaaS model from, I think, 35K to 75K in three months doing this. So any second-time buyers sending them a video and saying, hey, did you know we have a subscription model? Over you go. And they've obviously tried, been trying to push this last year, so doubled it in three months. Um, you know, reviews, I've seen... Uh, we have we have an e-commerce company in Denmark who went from nothing to number one rated company in men's fashion in the whole of Denmark in about four months by wow. sending videos after the delivery was like arrived, saying, "Hey, I want to make sure that everything's okay and that you got what you deserve." So kind of customer service, and then and then saying, "By the way, there's a link in this video to Trustpilot. Can you give us a review?" Like cool. so, like it, it, like it, like where where companies understand their funnel and they're very targeted with what they're doing here. And you're not just doing this for the sake of doing it. Like it's it's a great thing to do. Like have an ask. So you're looking to either convert leads, you're looking to either specifically activate new paid users in the first few months, or you're looking to do things like drive reviews. That's tends to be where we sit. Mm. Um, and where you're focused to go after that. I mean, I can keep talking about results if you want me to. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's go kind of more specific. So I'm obviously a big fan of trying out, you know, your video funnels and I've seen them work for, you know, engaging new leads. And, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, building these uh, personalization at scale. So I want to hear specific examples maybe for SaaS founders, right? We have SaaS founders or marketers and listening in today, they want to start using this in their own kind of marketing process uh, or their onboarding or or whatnot. Uh, Can you share anything uh, in terms of funnels that they can start using today to start growing their business that they can try out? Absolutely start with leads just because it's very binary and it's super easy. And this is where every customer starts, to be honest. So forget the rest of the, like, just start here again because this is, this is how you decide yes and no. Um, so if you use, so, so leads coming in, um, just decide, depends on the size of your funnel a little bit and the size of your team. So the size of your kind of CS. So it's generally your, your customer success team that's going to be doing this or, or supporting if you have those. Um, or if you're an early startup, yes, potentially the founders. So if you're using, so with, with your leads coming in, if you're using Intercom or, or whatever you're using, plug it into, into the system. Um, you can, so you can do this for every single site that comes in. Um, a lot of people start there. It depends on your funnel and the size. If you're larger, filter those down. If you have any way of, of I guess, pre-qualifying signups, so product qualified leads or marketing qualified leads maybe, um, mm-hmm. or sales qualified if, if you're a sales funnel, um, you might want to just filter those and say only you know a score of X. And then just just go and try sending these to the twenty people that come in. So we'll obviously like so we'll we'll notify your team. So so lead comes in, 
hits filter and then like Jenny on your CS team is notified on, on a phone straight away and she can do a video within, you know, an hour or less. Um, we'll drag in all the information from your CRM. So we'll tell Jenny what they've done and you can customize this. So you can decide. So what's important to you getting a customer to act to, to convert? Mm-hmm. So is that doing a specific step in your product? So for us, number one thing is somebody has to send a video. I mean, it's, it's pretty binary. Yeah? Like if someone doesn't send a video, they're, they're never going to become a customer. So everything we do at the beginning is, is to get that call loop going. So, so we look and we track the metrics around their call loop within the first hour. If it's the first hour, we wait an hour. If they haven't done that first call loop metric, everything we do in the video is trying to get them to do that one thing. Mm-hmm. And if they can't do it, to talk to us. And we have like 24 hour support, so we can support this, but like we get them to talk to us and say, like, and either hop on calls with us or chat to support online and figure out how to do this. So everything for us is about activation. Now, after activation, we don't just keep doing videos. You know, it then goes into our funnel and we obviously go through our onboarding and like everything else that comes off this. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to pick up lagging users and get them back in again. We're trying to also find... We, actually, we, we definitely do have active users too. So anyone who's coming on board and looks like... And, and it's a PQL, so product qualified lead. So they've, they've done all the steps we know means they're going to convert. We'll also spend extra time on them and then we'll, and then we'll probably be trying to get them to drive team members in. So there okay. is about like expansion revenue for us because we know that they're, they're going to kind of convert. But leads is binary. If you send out 20, 30 of these versus whatever you're doing normally, like A-B test it, look at the results, and there you get your first signal whether it's worth carrying on. And 20, 30 of these takes 30 minutes. So it's quite a big test. Interesting. So um, I imagine like um, when it comes to mining, people are using your platform. So we said customer success. We talked about uh, you know sales teams and reps during on the lead side. And obviously, I can see maybe a little bit on the marketing team as well. Um, you, you mentioned a few use cases, but can you share maybe something that where you've seen the best kind of use cases to leverage your tool and maybe something that surprised you that customers were using it for and you never expected, if there's any? So I, met, I, I mentioned the e-commerce one. I, I, I know with yeah. SaaS here, but but again, like with e-commerce moving to SaaS, like, yeah. like it's quite interesting. I think I think there's lessons from here that, that can move into SaaS too, which is so... Where the two areas we use, yeah, we so we're not we're not sales, but we're not outbound sales. We are definitely mm-hmm. a conver- like a, a conversion tool, yeah. or what we call a lifetime value tool. And so this this, this kind of case talks to the lifetime value piece, which is really interesting. Yeah? So so again, like, like e-commerce has never talked about lifetime value until like the last twelve months, which is, <laughs> suddenly everyone's like, okay, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that case whereby somebody receives a package. And, let, and let's say it's got a, you know, it's got a specific price point that, 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 that gets you to do this, yeah? So they receive an item, they wait 12 hours or, or whatever, 24 hours, and then they proactively send a video and say, hey, I want to check in and make sure that what you received was what you were expecting. Mm. Sounds so simple, right? But <laughs> Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. There's a Trustpilot link in the video. Reviews mean lots of us. Would you mind giving us a review? Now, the reason I want to chat about, about this one specifically is because... So, like, and honestly, like, we never thought e-commerce would ever use this. We're like, e-commerce is the most transactional business ever. Like, this is not a thing. And yet you see this. And now, and now like, e-commerce for us has, like, doubled in the last kind of 12 months. Um, what's really interesting here... So, so this thing satisfies a, a couple of different things, which is why, like, it's so impressive. Is number one, it is that customer support excellence, which in the industry, which is which is not known for that, it really, really stands out and hits home. Like, mm. no, no one, no one gets this. Um, as a result, you know, NPS goes through the roof. So these companies, like this company I talked about, like saw that, like we've been used specifically to get NPS up. Like we see, like that. The company, like the monster one, like I mentioned, the one in Denmark, to fair, had a pretty good attitude anyway. So the NPS was pretty good, but they definitely shifted up by about 15 points, I think, over that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got like, people like obviously loving that. If you then go and ask for something back, so this is the advocacy part. So you create active advocates, you create people who, who, like, who like the company. The very, most important thing why most people don't ever crack the whole advocacy as like a growth lever mm-hmm. is because they don't ask. They don't ask those advocates to do anything. So if you then deliver a great experience and then you say, off the back of that great experience, would you mind leaving us a review? Then the review you're going to get is going to be like twice as good as what it would have been if they left you on anyway. And, and you'll get five, ten times more reviews because you're, just because you're asking. Yeah? I mean, that's just a like a no-brainer. Um, obviously, if someone isn't happy, then they'll come back and respond to you and chat to you instead of leaving a review. 
Mm-hmm. And so again, you're being proactive. You'll stop, you know, any of that negativity going on social, going onto public channels potentially. So it also protects brand perception. Um, you know, and then, uh, and then as a result of people leaving you a view and having had a great experience with you, you then get into um, uh, the psychology. Forget the word when you when you do something and follow through with it. So, so that this person then is as like as like invested time to buy into your brand and your community. So then when they start to get, you know, invites into your community after that, or start to get you know, marketing messages after that, that what, what we see is they're much more likely to open and consume that content and to get involved. So, so, so they go from a passive, a passive customer into an active customer, which in terms of engagement and then down to obviously driving lifetime value and getting people to talk about you more is crucial. Yeah. So it's actually quite, it's actually quite hard to get a customer to become active. Most of the, I think we did a vet the other day. I, we use like 83 paid services, you know, various ones from SaaS to, to, to like services, um, industries. And you know, of those, there's like five of them that like we're active with and we, and we like, and we engage with them. We enjoy. And the other like 78, like don't do anything other than like the, yeah. Yeah, the monthly email that we, un- yeah. that we unsubscribe from. Um, it's crazy when you think about it, when you look at the industry, like today, so few companies do this well. I think again, look, I look at that and I'm like, it's a gold mine for lifetime value because if your customers are engaged, they they will stay with you longer. That that's what it means to retain customers. Now your product obviously your product has to support that. Yeah. yeah. But anyone anyone who's been a startup here, anyone who's done the whole bootstrap early stages, you know that your product's kind of shitty. Like, excuse my language. Yeah. Um at, at the beginning, but people stay with you. So like, you guys are awesome. This is a great mission. I love what you're doing here. Yeah, we'll work around it. And there's early adopters will stay with you. Now, now keep that momentum going when you get bigger. So again, like keeping this deal with you, the product doesn't have to be perfect at the beginning yet, but like your support and service and communication has to be awesome. And they will, mm. and they will back you while you get the product up to scratch. And so, you know, kind of the theme of this topic is, you know, doing this at scale, like how do you kind of get your team kind of involved at this when you have, you know, thousands of, of uh, you know, videos you have to create? Um, is this dependent on the tool itself or do you need to have some kind of skills or training with your team to kind of get the most out of this, the system? Yeah. So like, so with, so with video, it's actually pretty easy. Like, like in the early stage, just turning up is, is, is the key. Right. Um, look, look, people like people turning up, saying hi, taking the time. Um, I like, if you're nervous about video, get over it. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's, uh, like we, we can't at a stage now where it's like the, the less made up you are, you know, the more off the cuff it is, the, the more authentic it is and the more trusted Like obviously if you have a, if you're, if your clients, are you know, investors or, 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 or you're, you're in the legal profession, et cetera, you do have a brand to up, uphold. So obviously do stick to that. So do think a little bit about, about what you wear, um, with, in terms of scale, it's, you've got to share this amongst team. So again, CS team is generally who does it to us. Like, so I, I personally do them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely didn't do as many anymore. Um, me and my product manager will do them every day because it gives us a direct line to clients. And so we're, it's one of the ways, given the fact we've got a bigger team now, it's one of the ways that we keep a link to the front line. So we hear back from customers straight away about confusion, about challenges, about thoughts. So we actually like try and always keep some new customers coming into our, Inbox, if you like, to help us build better products, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. That's how we do it. Most companies are just using CS teams or support teams. That's how you scale it out. Filtering down customers, again, like not every lead is equal. So like, there is a time component here. I mean, one one attitude is is, is, is every lead, every customer is worth 30 seconds. I mean, like... Mm. The maths will generally work out. Um, maybe if that's not the case, if you're funneling, especially if you're like B to C, that's probably not. Then it's a case of filtering down again, qualified leads, however you want to qualify those and spending time on those. Obviously, like larger teams, larger, but like product qualified leads, spend time on those because those are the ones you want to build relationships with. If you want to wait until they're paid, maybe do that gate because then again, you know, you've got like, like, like a return on value. Um, it's got to be built off the back of your systems so you have to have that automation side in, in, into doing these like people do videos off the cuff and it's hard to keep up like you'll drop off um you know use video like be notified when to do it you want to get a notification that tells you to do it you do the video and then you're back to work that's the idea behind right. it um, and this is not just like personal like like screen recordings are great for doing customer demos like they're actually a lot faster than like turning it to a demo and they're we test them we find they're like 80 percent as effective 
like they're they're pretty great. So we've started doing like screen recordings for like any customer that wants them. We actually walk to their accounts live. Um, other personalization touches as well. It doesn't just have to be video. Right. You know, if you're a global company, make sure you have 24 hour support, like seven days a week. Mm. It's no brainer. Have a human there. People people seem quite surprised. They're like, you know, oh, this human, like this is not just automation. Um, as a SaaS company, that seems to be a little bit rarer nowadays. And so we, we tend to get, yeah, I mean, this goes to the whole delight and lifetime value as well. I think mm. you support as a front like growth channel. Um, Customers who are hitting like, you know, annual reviews, people who are coming over and been with you for a long time, people who've hit certain metrics, like do little things to lights. You know, it doesn't have to be video. You can send out, you know, postcards or like we send bear suits to people's kids at certain points. Um, start trying to think about things that, again, are personal to you and your company that, that like buy a company into your, that buy someone into your brand. Um, yeah, for the whole journey, not, 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 you know, we talk about leads a lot. Leads is great, but actually like retention is kind of like, where the big money is because it's a lot cheaper to keep it, keep someone getting on the dollar. So speaking in terms of like the, the growth lever and, and the, on that side of the business, uh, can you share kind of what's worked really well for you guys? Can you attribute to some of the more, you know, successful growth strategies that help Bonjuro scale and, and grow to where it is today? Yeah. So we still do 80% of our traffic is through referral. Um, today, and that comes two sources. So half, half of that is product-led growth. So we, we obviously get people who see videos come in from that. So when people receive a video, they go search out how to do it and they come into us that way. Um, the other 40% is through, so we have a very active community. We have a very active, like existing customer base that we engage a lot at different, at different stages. Like I said, like we, we do the whole bear suits thing, we do the video thing. We, like have a we have a we have systems that like make sure that we contact customers every kind of three or four months and somebody reaches mm-hmm. out in person. But doing that, we keep ourselves top of mind. And again, so forty percent of our traffic is coming to people actually talking about us. Um, off the back of that, we were just chatting earlier. We start to get invited on, on a lot of podcasts and webinars. We now do, you know, ten of these a week, I guess. Um, so we start to double down on that. Uh, we started off being invite only. We've now started reaching out to a few off, 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 off the back of it. So we will target certain influence. When I say influencers, like, you know, we're, we're a B2B space. So it's not paid influencers. It's just people that we think have influence. Like, like it could be, you know, um, like we're just doing something with one well, team at Design Pickle or we do something with Active Campaign or something with, you know, the team at Zapier. We'll engage them. Often, there's, you know, we'll do one of these or we'll do content together. So we start to do a lot of our stuff is now through partnerships. Um, partnerships can go as deep or as light as you like. We always start off very light touch. Mm. I think there's a lot you can do without investing too much time in. This is more of a marketing and content partnership. It's actually really good. It gets you to test the waters. After that, go deeper and deeper. Don't don't jump in feet first day one. You just don't need mm. to. Um, super highly qualified traffic, high converting as well. So obviously different sources, different leads. I'm sorry, different um, conversion numbers. We've just started paying with paid um, for the first time ever. I think we've just started putting money down for marketing first time in a few years and it's pretty interesting because when you mm. like i'll be honest we don't really know what we're doing we're getting like a three-month payback period so I, I don't know what that means it seems too good to be true but but there you go um it is a beautiful thing once you figure it out yeah <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting yeah because because it, because it changes your frame of mind because you literally like i could put a dollar in and get a dollar out um you know, the other systems we have and the other paces is like, you're still putting dollars in and getting dollars out, but that might be um, team. It might be team. So it's a little bit hard to measure. Um, like we, we're actually getting better at measuring it and kind of seeing, seeing off the back of it. So like time has a cost and we measure that back now. Yeah. Um, you know, sponsorships and stuff, like like when you start to get relationships and start to get bigger into the partnership side, you might start to come across sponsorships. Like we're testing it, so I'll have to feedback and let you know. It's... Okay. um. It's all about ROI, yeah? Like everything has a cost, I think. Exactly. And could you say kind of on the opposite end, right? You know, it's, it's good to teach, you know, what's working for you guys, but I'm sure you guys have tested things out that hasn't worked or has failed. Is there anything you can share there that, um, you know, you wouldn't do again for your specific market, I guess? Yeah, so well, I'll tell you the in-person events again because we can, cause we can do it online for like a tenth of the time and, and get the same results. Yeah. Um, well, so, so, so we actually tried, so, yeah, we, we tried paid a while back and said no, and then we came back and tried it again and something changed. Um, so like, I, like I, do, I will say like retrying channels helps. Um, 
direct sales so we're not a sale so this is a big one yeah i guess we're not a set we're very much inbound we're not a direct mm. sales organization mm. um we've tried it we haven't got great results however to my other points i i can't think any company that doesn't have a sales team could probably have one at some points mm-hmm. i think any any company that doesn't have a market like like you, you generally like sales on like or, or like you're either outbound or inbound like generally like like as a primary yeah. As you get to a certain scale, I think it's a timing thing. I think if you're inbound, there will always be outbound you can do. And if you're outbound, there's always inbound you can do. Um, yeah. We are like, like at the end of the day, we understand inbound. That's our expertise and that's why we're good. And the reason we haven't managed to create sales is just because we're not very good at the yellow. We don't have the experience there. Now, down the line, and we're starting to go up market now into larger organizations, does that become a channel that will work? Yes, but I'll have to hire people who understand what they're doing because I just don't think it's, it's, it's a natural skill for us there's no funnel there for us so that is a huge channel that we can't crack but it's because i think of like experience more than anything like it might maybe i'm being naive but like i i I think you can always unlock those like for sure yeah i I guess the big thing there on outbound is gonna it comes down to your ltv and in your market right if you're going yeah higher market like you said and your ltv kind of justifies i think generally they say you know at least if you're at least above that two thousand. Uh, or so, then you know it makes more sense to to start looking at at outbound. Otherwise, yeah, it's not really worth of your time. Uh, there's a blend. There's a blend, right? You, you, you can yeah. like like outbound, inbound, are not are not um are not mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Again, again, you pull them together, and there's ways that you can like obviously like drop the ROI by utilizing right. a bit of both. Right. Um, but partnerships, I mean, that's 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 still some kind of sales in there. You know, like sure. like like I'm a massive fan of market multipliers. Like, okay, like exactly. you think like if I, if I could do one call or convert one customer, how can I do one call convert a hundred customers or a thousand? Exactly. exactly. Um, you know, go for those, go for those, for those nodes. Those big whales, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, and then speaking about the in- engagement, when it comes to that side, whether it's employee engagement, which you guys are big on, or customer engagement, how do you attribute it? Attribute you know engagement towards company success, and is there a way to kind of measure that metric? Do, do you have a way to? So a team, a team has got to be retention. Yeah. Well, yeah, for team and customer, it's got to be it's, it's retention, yeah. retention, yeah, like retention. I like, like yeah. I, I, I think retention and then some measure of happiness. I mm. think is is kind of key. Now that second one, so it sounds waffly. So retention is easy. Do your team stay for four years on average? If yes, mm. like win. And obviously in our industry, the average is like two years, I guess. Okay. Um, okay. depends, depends a little bit on, on, on like, on like age bracket and kind of like, like age of the team, sure. like that, sure. that just change over time. Yeah. Um, so do team stay for four plus years. That, that's a good goal to have. I think in, in a fast moving environment, like it's hard to get to, mm-hmm. um, happiness is hard. To, and so do customers stay for, you know, life. Like, 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 you know, not like one year or two years, like, like they stay for like, 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 like what percentage of your original customers in the first year is still here. Um, the happiness one. So customers is probably easier. There's many ways to do this. Like MPS, some people hate it, some people love it. I get it, but like have some measurement of like how how likely customers are to recommend you or how or how happy they are with your service. You know, um, I'll speak to MPS because I understand that. And again, like mm-hmm. like excuse me, if you don't like it. That's fine. Like I understand the downsides to it. But yeah, as a SaaS company, I think, I think the average MPS is like 26. Um, wow. You should have it. You should have it over over eighty. Anything less yeah. than eighty is a, a failure, mm-hmm. you know. And it's not. It's not. The secret is it's not that hard to compete on it. Like the bar is right. low. Like I can mm-hmm. promise you. Like like <laughs> it is low. Um, like like really like just go just go just go and look vet all your all of the stuff that you have and see how many of them you love. How many things, how many things that, you, that you pay for as a company? I bet it's very few. Um, customer happiness, yeah, way harder to measure. Um. You know, our team's pretty remote, so yeah, it gets like exponentially hard, harder again. You know, in the early days, as a as a leader, you've just got to keep your finger on the ball here, and it might be like a bit more qualitative. So, so I can see. Uh, obviously, last year has been a really good test of this because it's been a tough year. Yeah. Um. So, everyone's gone through emotional turmoil. I think, and just being aware of that. Um. Look, three sixty degree reviews help. You know, anonymous surveys can help. Um. Mm. Just just building good relationships with each other. Like, like, like uh, me as a team, like, as a leader, like I'll try and build a relationship with every single person in the team, you know, like 
we're not we're not over sixty yet, so like it's, it's not it's not a challenge just yet. Um, I think checking in because then you're more likely to get things flagged. I think making sure then that your management team beneath you have that same kind of contact. So like you want if if employees aren't happy, you don't want to find out about it because they like where they handed them in a resignation. You wanna you wanna preempt that, and that comes down to communication and relationships. Like you have to build those. You have to invest in team. You know we do yeah. we did yearly retreats so we would fly like we flew all our teams to Edinburgh the one year we flew back to Australia another year last year we, we, we were going to the Philippines we had to kind of pause it because of flights and life um, yeah. like event like measure it by keeping up channels of communication with you and your management team keep those open and then invest in it by by doing retreats do you know do like like we gave the whole team you know Netflix and Disney and Prime and you know if they wanted it, they got, you know, coffee subscriptions or beer subscriptions. Like you just got to think about ways to surprise and delight your team as much as your customers. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I, mean, I love that. You know, it seems like a simple strategy, but using your NPS uh, survey, you know, it could be super effective as if you're, if you have a SaaS company, right. For founders to start implementing, um, anything else on the engagement side that you think, you know, if I'm a SaaS founder, I'm, I'm not doing anything for tracking my engagement or doing anything to engage my users or team, uh, yeah, checking like, in with the team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so just like with the, so like with anyone, like everything comes down to, so everything has to be operationalized. Mm. So like you run a SaaS company, like you're fine very quickly. If something's not operationalized, it won't get done. Like that, you have to put systems in place. And when you grow, this is going to, this, this, this hurts this lesson, like learn this because mm. <laughs> you drop the ball so much. Um, so like engagement is, is another thing that needs to be operationalized. So you need to have, and this, is, <laughs> this isn't hard to do, like, like, like get a piece of paper, draw out your customer journey from day, from day to finish. Um, map out all the touch points they have with your company. So this would be like sign up, you know, the onboarding period, they the first payment, what happens after that, like, you know, annual, like what happens when they hit 12 months, et cetera. Map it out, see where you can be. And I don't just mean like when you're sending a drip email campaign, but when you're talking about every single, like every single touch points, when you interact with them on social media, everything else, map it out, look at that. And you'll see key, you'll see key gaps in that where maybe like after month three and before month 12, you do nothing other than build them on month 12. Right. Like, that's a danger, yeah. So, like, look at those, look at those journey, and this should be really for your CS team. Look at that journey. Look at key areas where there's very little engagement, very, very little like contact, and put something in there. This could be time based. It could be um, product led based. So they, they they've hit a certain milestone. Um, look at that as well. Look at it and go. How many of those touch points are delightful? Mm-hmm. And delightful is a, again like a, it sounds like a fluffy term, but but essentially, what is unexpected and will make the customer smile, like that's pretty much it. So, you know, a video is one way of doing this. But like, do do you drop little gifts through? Do you have little pop ups like the customer design stuff? You know, we did a thing once where we used to like draw pictures of customers for them, and like we cool. sent them as like anything. But like, like 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 try and make customers laugh. Try and make them enjoy the experience. Try you. Know, if they hit what their first year with you. Like if you're not engaging them at that point, then you know saying thank you, mm. then you, then you're doing it wrong. Like that's that's a clear one, yeah. So like map out the journey, plot it out, look at where you've got gaps, and look at every single piece of comms and be like, can this be more delightful? Can we can we make customers smile? Because like it it sounds like such a small thing, but that's why people like you. That's people. That's why people will stay even when they have you know the fifth bugger that year. Yeah, makes makes perfect sense. Um, Matt, what what are some of the biggest challenges you're currently facing right now to grow Bonjour Bonjour? What would you say like keeps you up at night and and you, you keep hiring. bullets out to hiring? Yeah, it's always hiring. Everyone says you're hiring. Like like so you look, you look at like like any year ahead. I think it comes down to so I think there's three things you need to nail like like each year. Like one is products. So you go now products, yeah. And this is uh, and again systems will help this, yeah. So like I think this is especially if you have a good base, so you're not like on day one, you've kind of got to put yeah. like a fit. To build beyond that, systems should help you, yeah? Um, secondly is operationally. So do you have capital to do what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Funding um, or bootstrapped or, or revenue, whatever this is to be. Um, and other, 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 other things do come into operations like team around the world and where people are based and your know, access to customers. Like third, and then the third thing is, is, is just hiring, like, like people. Yeah. yeah. If you can nail those three things, like you literally can't fail. Like, in my mind, um, but they're each extremely hard to do, and people is very, very hard because you know you've got to hire people smarter than you. You've got to understand where your flaws are. You've got to reach people, inspire them to come on board the vision. As your company grows, the people you need change, which is a real hard one. 
Mm. You know, the, the team with the three of you versus the team with the third of you, it's not the same team. Right. Um, you know, so can your team evolve? And if they can't evolve, where they sit, do they stay? Do they do they move to different roles? Are people managers or are they individual c- contributors? Everyone thinks, oh, because I was on the other team, I should be a manager. Some people can't manage and they don't want to manage. So like, don't, don't force that. Um, mm. As you grow, you get more specific hires. Mm. You know, you, you no longer have one designer who does UI and UX. You have UI people and you have UX people. Right. You know, like you no longer have generalist engineers, you have Android developers and iOS developers and you have, you know, people who are more on the database side seeing and then architects and and so like it, like it just gets more confusing. Uh, right. but if you can't figure it out, like it's it's literally it's probably the most important thing because good people will help you build good products. And good people will help you operationalize. Um so like honestly like number one thing is people. Hundred percent. I, I agree with that. Matt, what's one advice you wish you had known and would tell your, let's say, 25-year-old self? I don't know how old you are right now, but let's use that as a, as a good point. 36. 36. 36? Um, okay, 25 is good then. <laughs> people, people ask me this, and I'm always like, any advice they gave me, I'd have probably gone and just ignored it and done everything anyway, because <laughs> at 25, I was like, I was like, I could do it anyway. Um, I mean, like, get get ready for the long haul. Um, I mean, like, 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 like my... My old man, my dad gave me some advice when I was younger, which now I look back and I'm like, yeah, he was spot on. And so he, and he he ran ran a large company, a couple thousand people. And he said, look, I remember like in the early days funding and like running out of money and putting our own money and everything else and, you know, and getting going. I was like, this is hard. And he's like, he laughed in my face and he was like, he's like, these are the easy days. He's like, this is a good time. Enjoy this. Um, He's like, because trust me, when you have like 500 people and you muck up, then you've got people's livelihoods on the line. He's like, right now, he's like, you guys, if you guys get back to go one, like, 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 who cares? He's like, honestly, mm. so he's like, you're not responsible for like hundreds of other people. So he's like, enjoy this time. It, it's going to get harder. So you need to learn to deal with the stress and be okay with that. And, and yeah, this, this is not like, don't burn out. Yeah. This, this is a continual thing. So learn and get better at that. But like, enjoy the early days. And the number of founders I've had who are like exit founders who are like, I miss the early days. Yeah. And you're like, what? You're rich, you're a big company, you know, you just you just made, you start another company with, with you know, you started on day one with forty people and they're like, Yeah, but it's just not the same. It's not the same as those early days. And it's true, you look back and you're like you're like, it was exciting when there was like a couple of you and you had no idea what you're doing because the learning curve like, that's gotta be the steepest learning curve of your, of your life. Right. Yeah. So enjoy it. Love it's gonna get worse. <laughs> Uh, Matt, who or what would you say are the best three resources? This could be books um, or people, you know, mentors, people you follow, influencer, who you'd say have been most instrumental to your success over these these last few years. Um, I, I, like I, so, like one source, the most instrumental to my success would be um, I actually run a founder group out of Sydney where we go away once every quarter, kite surfing and surfing or snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and we built this, bit, and we started off with like a couple of mates surfing before work, and now there's like 250 people in that. Um, that's amazing because I think at the stage that we're at now, most of us are, are building grown businesses, so we're not going to all the startup events. We're not hanging out in town, like you know, like that that has passed, and so we make sure that we do get together on a semi-regular basis, and we make sure mm-hmm. we bring in new founders. We make sure we're bringing some some big hitters as well, you know, like ex-heads like delivery hero and stuff to come in and like talk to us on those events it's mostly friendship group but we'll do you know three talks on a saturday night about big fundraisers exits failures whatever else yeah so cool if you're not part of a community go and get in one it is number one the place to learn and make sure there are companies in there who are the next stage so if you're if you're on a journey of one million to ten million don't go and join like you know a group where it's everyone's you know just starting out join a a group of people who are like 10 million plus, you know, all like all like all range, yeah, because those are the ones you want to learn from, yeah. Absolutely. You're talking a room, you know, some people are great at marketing, some people are great at sales, some great at operations, like ev- everyone has the answers already, yeah. Um, yeah. That means I'm one thing that, is, that like, but by a long, long way, uh, mentors are great. You need to change them out. I've just got another mentor recently. Um, so I think every year, be looking for a new mentor. Um, I can't tell you one person because it's specific to you. Sure. Um, again, find someone who's at the next, the next step. Don't, don't like, if you're a one million dollar company, don't go and, you know, get the head of, you know, Westfield or, or, you know, or, or Morgan Stanley, because, because, because the, the problems they're having, the problems you're having are not remotely the same. Mm-hmm. Get someone who's at 10 million again, 
who's been through the journey you're about to go through. Um, thirdly, books. I mean, like, I think a great book is 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 the hard thing about hard things. Yeah. Um. Just like 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 it, it like you're 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 going to war whether you like it or not. Like, have read that book. It's uh, it puts things in perspective that you know when you think things are hard, right? Uh, they can be a lot harder. That's an awesome book. I love that Ben Horowitz. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Cool. Um, now, what does success mean to you today? Whether that's personally, financially, life. Obviously, you've done well so far. What, what do you, how do you look at it? I know happiness. I think happiness. Um, cool. Can you sleep at night? You know, like things give up at night, like products and, and hiring and everything else. But like, can you sleep at night? Um, but whatever that means for you, whether that's family, whether that's whether that's work, whether that's a sense of purpose. Um, if you're not happy in what you're doing, then you're doing the wrong thing. Like if you're not enjoying, if you know, if you're not enjoying the journey, like like forget about the end. Mm. You know, like like you might make fifty million dollars, you might not. Like you, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta play that card. If you're not enjoying the journey there, then there's no point doing it because you won't make it. If you don't enjoy it, you'll give up. Yeah, or even if you do, or if you don't, I mean, it's not gonna. I mean, all that time you just wasted. I don't know if it's gonna actually solve your the problem of what you really need, right? To be. To what's be the, What's the point? Yeah, like like remember yeah. like. It's hard to remember, like you, you literally live once. Like this, like I'll only be thirty-six once. You know, I only have like, like you only ever have that once, and when it's gone, like it's 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 literally gone. So, if you're not enjoying the, you know, the journey, and your journey will change over time, then like you gotta just change what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Don't struggle for the sake of struggling because it's gonna fail anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. This has been fantastic. I really, really enjoyed this uh, this episode uh, on the SaaS district. Where can an audience get in touch with you and learn more about what you're working on? Uh, so if you want to hit me up personally, go to LinkedIn. If you, if you search Papa Bear, I think there's three of us. I'm the guy in the bear suit. So, okay. um, look, look, if you'd like some advice or anything else, like, 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 please reach out. Like, I've had loads of help getting where I am. Um, I was very proactive with that. Um, so like, reach out. I'll help in any way I can. Um, if you want to try a video, check out Bonjour. Give it a go. You'll get a video from someone on the team. Um, like I say, start with leads. It's binary. Send out 30. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And there you have your answer. That's simple. Love it. Love it. We'll add those links to our show notes. Go, guys, go check out Matt and the, the three Papa Bears and, and say what's up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate it. No worry. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.